Welcome to Aviation Careers Podcast. My name is Carl Valeri, and I'll be your host today. Today we have a special edition where we're reporting from Sun and Fun 2023. We interviewed Nathan Minich, who was an amazing individual as far as aviation is concerned and as far as inspirational uh, type of story that he had, where he's the one that flew around Florida and traced a, a Christmas tree during uh, during Christmas. Amazing story. But he has a special announcement that he made during Sun and Fun. It's going to be an audio interview, but if you're watching on YouTube, we'll have some really cool video from uh, his tracing the, the Christmas tree around Florida. But first, uh, real quickly, our sponsor, we have a new sponsor, and that is Aviators Clinic. Aviators Clinic is flight medicine for pilots by pilots. You can use the coupon code Aviators Clinic to get a free scholarships guide. The, the you know, if you're a student pilot preparing for a solo or a veteran crop duster, their goal is to get you into the air and keep you flying. Aviators Clinic understands how nerve-wracking doctors exams can be. Their goal is to make the process as easy and painless as possible. The Aviators Clinic provides FAA first, second, and third class flight physicals as well as basic med exams. For those with color vision issues, they have an Optech 900, an FAA-approved alternative color vision test. Flight physicals are free of charge for student pilots 17 years and younger. Aviators Clinic has two convenient locations in Naples and Pompano Beach, Florida. So book your appointment today at aviatorsclinic.com. Also, Aviators Clinic, again, is a sponsor, so they're giving away 50 scholarships, guys. Use the coupon code AVIATORSCLINIC. Well... Let's get on with the interview from Sun and Fun 2023 and uh, what Nathan Ministry is an awesome uh, individual. He uh, and, and you'll hear in the interview, just a very inspirational aviator and, uh, and somebody who has some great advice, uh, especially if you're thinking of buying an airplane and using it to build your hours. Let's go to the interview. Well, folks, this is Carl Valeri with Aviation Careers Podcast, reporting for Sun and Fun Radio. And I'm here with somebody really special. And it's really cool uh, what this person did over the state of Florida and also their story as far as their career. Well, Nate, actually, he is the person that flew the Christmas tree over Florida that just went viral, and it was absolutely amazing. So we're going to talk about that first. So, Nate, what? welcome, first of all, and uh, what possessed you to do the Christmas tree? Hi, Carl. Thanks for having me over. Uh, well, you know, I've just got time building to be ready to have enough hours to go for an ATP rating and go to the airlines. It's a mid-career transition, and I was just building time, and I found that I wanted to have something fun to do out over the state. And kind of on a, just a whim, I decided to design and fly a star out south of Lakeland on a previous flight. That turned out really well, and I got to looking at that thinking, man, this would be fantastic on top of a Christmas tree. So the next couple of flights, I just started planning it out, plotting some points, looking at the airspace, watching the traffic patterns, waiting for a clear night so that I wouldn't have to necessarily maneuver around other VFR traffic, and uh, put a plan together, had a good evening to go, and I, I flew the Christmas tree. Uh, I think it was it was middle of December, somewhere around, but that's the 15th, somewhere between the 15th and the 20th. So. <laughs> so the reason that we're talking now is that the local news station picked this up here in Lakeland, Florida, where I live. And I was like, oh, my God, that is so cool. But when I saw you talk, I was like, I've got to get you on the show because you have a really inspirational story. Before we talk about that, uh, I was wondering, how did you how did you plan that route? How, how did you actually put that into the GPS? Well, uh, I just put it on four flight and the four flight has got a feature where you you can kind of hand draw. Uh, so I took the, pencil, the Apple pencil and just started drawing out what I thought I might want and then figuring out coordinates from there. Um, 
it's not enough just to draw a shape. Now you got to start doing the flight planning involved. Okay, if I'm going to make this tree 350 miles long, I, fuel planning comes a consideration. What are all my uh, divert? Should I need it? And I'm south somewhere down there, and I need to get uh, get down quick. I so I kind of started planning around the normal flight planning considerations. Where the uh, where the tall towers at? As I was drawing this out, I was taking all that into account to make sure that this was just like any other cross country flight. It's just this one's going to be kind of local, um, it, it, mostly on four flight. And then I would convert those points and start doing some math to make sure it was very symmetrical. So you look at that design and I mean, it looks, you know, pretty, pretty yeah. tight. Uh, then I have an old Garmin, uh, 530 WAS and it, and you, you know, there's not a way to transfer those waypoints. So you, you do the turn buttons. Right. So then it was a couple of flights of just programming waypoints into the 530 of, you know, one click at a time on the little <laughs> rotary dial. It took, that took a little while, you know, probably at least a couple hours of programming on the 530. I wanted to be sure I could draw straight lines and have that on there, you know, accurately. Well, it worked out really well. And I tell you what, it, it was quite inspirational when I saw that. I was like, oh my God, that is the coolest thing. But the reason that you did this, people are like, well, that's a lot of time that you spent in there. Why Why did you do that? I mean, there's two reasons, right? To do something inspirational, but also... Well, uh, 1,500 hours is required for a uh, ATP rating. And that takes a lot of commitment for folks that are building time. I'm a flight instructor, so there's some flight instructing time in the logbook. But some of it's just getting in an airplane and flying. And, you know, you just got to commit to it. And I thought, if I'm just going to be up here doing something, I want to have something to show for it. This turned out to be one of those uh, fun little things that I can, you know, have on there. It was it was for fun, but also it all counted. That's all time. So the reason you're getting to 1,500 hours, we're going to talk about your career. You've had a really great career in the Navy, um, but now you've changed uh, to aviation. So tell us a little bit about that process, because it sounds like you uh, had to take a big leap into this career in aviation. Well, I'll tell you, and that's a, it was a big risk uh, mid-career. So I, I just retired after 22 years of naval service. I enlisted right out of high school in 2001. And I, I joined the military with the intention of becoming a pilot. The... The whole time, you know, I applied to academies, was not accepted, and I wanted to go, I wanted to start working on a career in the Navy. So I, I enlisted, um, and then I got picked up for a commissioning program a few years later called Seaman to Admiral. Fantastic program. You get to stay on active duty, go to a ROTC unit. I went to the University of Colorado, and I was selected as an, a student naval aviator. In fact, I signed an agreement with the program that I would not be considered for any other commissioning options. As I got closer to commissioning, I actually failed an eye exam for my flight physical, and I was devastated. And they, it, because I had signed this agreement that I could only be a pilot, uh, they, they said I could go back out to sea in my prior enlisted rating. I was a machinist mate working on the nuclear propulsion plants. Um, so I asked, is there anything I can do? I've worked so hard. I'd like to commission. And they offered that I could go into the nuclear propulsion program if I passed an interview with the, uh, with the admiral of the program. So I went to D.C., and I interviewed and got accepted to the program, and I became a surface nuclear warfare officer, um, a surface warfare officer with a nuclear subspecialty. And as as that uh, career kind of took off, I kind of just packed away my dream of becoming a pilot and decided this is, you know, what happened. I just don't have enough eyesight to be a pilot. 
didn't realize that the FAA had different standards than the military. So, um, you know, I wear contacts and it wasn't until much later in my career that I kind of started looking into this. And it was actually a friend of mine, a mutual friend of uh, another pilot that you were able to meet with the other day that, hey, no, man, just you just got to have corrected vision. So that's what kind of triggered, maybe I can still do this. And as I got into looking into it, um, there was a flying club in Millington, Tennessee, where I was stationed at the um, Navy Personnel Command and just started flying at the Navy Flying Club in Millington, Tennessee and started earning ratings, private pilot. And then I thought, oh, I got to have an instrument rating. And it didn't take long. I, I bought an airplane um, when COVID hit, the, air, the flight school shut down. I thought, I can't wait. This is, this is what I want to do. And so I, I, I pursued it by purchasing an airplane and flying a lot. So you went the route of purchasing a plane and flying a lot as opposed to instructing a lot. Which, which one did you get more hours from? I got more hours from flying my plane. Uh, and there's a, a couple of reasons for that. But at the time, the flying club had shut down. I, was, I would not have been able to progress through training at the Navy Flying Club. It was a period of at least six months, I think. And during that period of time, I was still able to fly with my instructor in my plane. And I earned certificates and time doing that. But the other problem, moving around a lot through two different uh, tours in the Navy, just getting set up at a new flight school and establishing students, um, I ran into some trouble with that. I got a few students in Charlottesville, Virginia, kind of on their way to their check rides, and then, oh, I had, now I have to come to Florida. It took a while to find some students down here in Lakeland, so, but the whole time I was able to just keep flying my plane, which was a, a huge help. Would you recommend it to somebody to buy their own airplane? What are the advantages and disadvantages? Well, oh, air, aircraft ownership is a whole other beast. Uh, I will say this. If folks have an intention of becoming a professional pilot and really don't want to be a flight instructor, it can be a lot of fun. Just be ready to, I mean, you, you better have deep pockets because it's like, you know, batteries... We're not talking a you know car battery, hundred bucks at AC Delco. You you know you got tires. The maintenance requirements of keeping an airplane, and you have to keep it in top condition. Um, there were a few times where I got the kind of my wife, you know, hey, what, what are you spending more money on the plane again? Um, she's been on board with this the whole time. I don't want to leave the wrong impression. It's just it's you know it's a very expensive way to get the time, but it was a very consistent way to keep flying. Um, I also think there's some people who probably shouldn't be instructors and they'd go that route um, because it's, they want to be an airline pilot. And I, I kind of discourage that a little bit. I'm not, I don't want to talk down on anybody out might be in that position. Mm -hmm. But I do think being an instructor has a special place of trust in the aviation community. And I think if you're not kind of, if you don't enjoy teaching people how to fly and you dread doing it, buy an airplane or rent an airplane or go in and buy with buy a plane with a few friends. Um, cause instructing is, uh, that's a special kind of thing to do. And those first couple hours with a new private pilot student that has no other aviation experience is always a very entertaining sort of, you know, <laughs> you got to really drag yourself to the plane sometimes, but, um, but I got a lot, I, I really enjoyed, I really thoroughly enjoy instructing. So, um, in that case, I, I maybe could have pushed a little harder early on to get an instructor certificate and just get hours that way. But I'm a full-time naval officer at the same time. So I would a lot of times get up in the morning, get to the airport about 6, go on an early flight, change into my uniform, go into work, work all day, and then two or three flights in the afternoon after work with students. And that was, you know, I mean, you're working two full-time jobs at that point. So having my own plane 
allowed me to, uh, you know what, on the weekend, I'm going to go take a long cross country, build some cross country time. Uh, instructors don't get as much cross country time, it turns out. And that's a requirement of, under the FAR to get an airline transport pilot certificate. So, um, you know, you got to kind of weigh the, the benefits of each. Uh, the disadvantage, of course, is when that plane comes down for maintenance, you, you know, you don't just hand the keys back to the flight school director and ask the maintenance department to fix it. You are the maintenance department. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, it's, it's fun, though. I would be happy to talk to anyone interested in buying a plane for time building. So you said you were building time towards your ATP, but the airlines have multi-engine aircraft. So now you have this other expense of getting your multi. So how did you how did you navigate that? Well, I just paid for a multi-engine rating um, at a different flight school. So our flight school didn't have a multi. Um, got the rating, but I through a friend, a mutual friend, was introduced to a pilot who managed a Citation, and because I had commercial multi-engine, said he could. Help me out. I flew right seat in the citation with him for a little while. And then um, that, the plan was get out of the Navy, get ATP, and then work with him and eventually become the captain on the citation over, you know, through a full formal training cycle. Um, but, you know, aircraft ownership for other people that own planes is what it is. And they, you know, owner wants to upgrade jets, and I'm not qualified for the one they're flying. So, uh, all right, back to the drawing board. But uh, that, a fantastic opportunity and flying with that pilot, I learned a lot about you know high altitude operations and a little bit of turbine time. Absolutely. And going back to your airplane, I think another good thing, the advantage is you got a lot of cross-country time working in the system, which I think was a big help, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I, I tell everyone, you get an instrument rating, file and fly all the time. And some folks around here, it's a great place to fly VFR, but it's also very congested airspace. So, um, you know, I, I've got a lot of time flying clear blue skies, but in the system. And I think that that process of filing a flight plan, learning the routes, understanding your place in the airspace, what calls am I expecting? There's a lot of work involved. Um, you know, some people balk at that and say, I like to just fly direct. Well, I tell you, I get direct routing a lot under IFR too. And, and the system's getting more efficient, but boy, it's just a, uh, I would recommend that to anybody. You know, it's the same as flight following. Well, no, it's not the same. It, you know, I'd be happy to talk about the differences. You're talking to the same people, but the process is is different. So I learned a lot. Um, and, and, and honestly, that experience flying cross-country IFR for hundreds of hours, I'm able to teach my students, okay, here's kind of some things to look out for. Make sure you can pair your headset to your phone, for example. You get to a remote field, uh, you know, nice Bose headset or your, your Zulu uh, light speeds or whatever. Hey, make sure you can get Bluetooth so you can make that phone call real easy with the engine turning and while you're doing your run up, get your clearance, just here's how, you know, how that system works. And, and, um, those experiences have been invaluable, I think, and working in the system. Yeah. The experience in the system, I think is invaluable. And I think that's terrific that you mentioned that, uh, one thing let's, let's move on now to your career and you wanted to become an airline pilot now. And one thing that's important is networking and finding people that are going to hire you, right? So you actually are in a great place here in Lakeland, Florida, and uh, big hats off to Sun and Fun for continuing to do the career fair, which actually sponsored Rajaya's firm and also some other folks, Piedmont Airlines, et cetera. Would you recommend people coming to an air show like this, specifically Sun and Fun, and going to that career fair? Uh, absolutely. And if, you, if you're not doing that, if you think you're going to just send out applications on airline apps or, or go on the web pages, 
there is a process and you may get hired. I think it's far more likely that you come here and you meet somebody at one of these air shows, not only at the career fair tent, but just out and around meeting a lot of professional pilots that, you know, nice thing about a professional pilot career, there's time to do other things. And people we're, we're all just normal people and we all kind of want to help. Mm-hmm. I've found that I've got connections now in this community in the in the career that, uh, you know, any number of airlines of people that are offering advice. What is this airline like? What are these bases like? What's it like when you're commuting as a junior first officer at a regional, for example? And that's where I'm at. And we actually, my, my wife and kids are, are in Texas. She took a job out in Fort Worth, but I, I said, babe, I need to stay behind because of this career fair. So I stayed, I'm volunteering here with one of the volunteer groups and but mostly because I wanted to go to the career fair and I got a, I was able to get an interview and got hired with one of the regional airlines here. So shout out to uh, sky West and their fantastic ability to flex to the situation, get a, um, interview with their pilots down here that went really well. And they, and the next day had a, a job offer in hand, so that definitely paid off to stay, but it also, the, the airline did a great job in my opinion of turning through some paperwork because here's an opportunity. Yeah, you are a testament to why we have these job fairs and these career fairs here at these air shows. Because uh, for the recruiters, uh, there's air, there's pilots at these shows. And the company I work for, we came here and just knocked it out of the park because aviators love airplanes. They love air shows. We love little planes and all all different things to do with aviation, T-shirts, et cetera. The cool thing is, and by the way, first of all, congratulations on, on that, that new hire at the airline. That's really, really exciting news. But to actually come here and walk out the door with a job, and I see it happen over and over and over again, and so many people are skeptical of it, I tell them, please, just come to the show. Uh, what what else could you say to motivate someone to get out here? Well, it's just fun. I mean, if you've never been to a big show like this, this is Christmas for pilots. This, I mean, uh, I, just the, the, the variety of flying you get to see that fireworks show last night was just over the top. The, um, the, the talent that you get to watch and be inspired by what we all kind of you know, I just remember being a kid going to an air show and here you are at one of the biggest ones, even if you're not here for a career fair, or if it seems like it's a long way off, you've got maybe two, 300 hours in the, in the log book, walking through the career fair tent and what is it going to take? There are people offering jobs to pilots at the 500 hour range. If you've got a commercial single or multi-engine, oh, well that might change your strategy a little bit on h- how am I going to craft my career to get to where I want to go? Maybe it's not airlines, maybe it's part 135 and you don't know those opportunities are out there until you get a chance to walk around and see. There are folks here, I know a couple of different uh, general aviation manufacturers that need certified instructors. If you want to teach somebody how to fly a Cirrus, well, you don't have to be a multi-engine ATP necessarily to do that. And Cirrus has got a program they want to have instructors. There are probably more job opportunities here for folks that are in different spots in their aviation uh, journey. They they don't know exactly what they want, and you get to see all the options, and maybe that there's one that clicks. Um, there are a lot of entrepreneurs here that have got various product solving problems that pilots face. Maybe you're the entrepreneurial type and you love aviation. You may not want to go fly, but there might be something here that sparks an interest in, Hey, I, I see this guy's got a product. I could make something better. All right. There's nobody here selling the, this widget to, to help with the hanger. And I'm going to build that and sell a million of these next year. When I come out here, uh, may, maybe it's just, you have a, a hobby? Well, there's a hobby tent and you want to fly RC planes and be around other aviators. Maybe you're just a food 
person, a foodie, and you can come and enjoy the good food. Uh, but more than any of that, I think we come here and we volunteer and we pay into these things because we see there's a generation of young aviators over at the school that we know this money goes to help support their aspirations. And how many folks I've talked to, they were over at the flight school where I was instructing would come over with this scholarship. Uh, unbelievable. Like, oh, you get paid private pilot and instrument. And they're, you know, 14, 15 years old. What I would have, I would have loved to have that when I was their age to somebody say, I'm not only going to take you by the hand and show you how to do this, I'm going to give you money to do it was a big barrier for me as a teenager. And to see that we've kind of been able to remove that through a, you know, I mean, it's a revenue source that goes to helping a generation of the, the next generation of aviators. And I think that makes it easier for all of us to just get on board, you know, volunteer and slinging trash or whatever we're doing to make sure this goes well. And it's a good show. You know, Nate, I think next year, I know you're with the Raiders. The Raiders are the people that keep the park clean here and keep the show clean. And those are the folks that pick up the trash. I think what they need to do is have you volunteer as a spokesperson for Sun and Fun next year because you hit on all the points here as far as why we do this. It's it's really inspiring and enabling the next generation of aviators. And, and I really appreciate uh, that you've actually taken the time to talk to us today about that because someone's going to hear this and, and they're going to be inspired to take it to the next level. Well, and I think, too, if, if they is somebody out there that is in a career that they maybe aren't happy with and think, I would really like to be a pilot. Um, I, I was 38 years old when I started flight training. And it's not just for 15-year-olds. It's not just for 40 or 50-year-olds. If you've got a love of aviation, there are plenty of flight schools out there. And really, if you're wanting to be a professional aviator, there's plenty of demand moving forward. I think the numbers speak for themselves. We, I mean, even if there's a recession and another furlough cycle, there's still insufficient supply of pilots to, to keep up. So um, I feel I tell people a lot of times my journey has felt like a poker player pushing all the chips to the middle of the table. I'm all in. I've you know spent a lot of money on an airplane and flight time and everything else. But um, it, to me, it, it just seems like it made sense. This is what I want to do. The career is a stable career. It's a good and a rewarding career. Um, and there's probably somebody out there thinking, I, there's no way. This guy did it, but it's not for me. I, I disagree. I, you can do it, and I'd be happy to help you do it. There are a lot of people who'd be happy to help you. Um, but you, you just got to kind of decide why you want to do it. And if you just want to fly on the weekends, there's, there's, there's a spot for you. If you want to fly every day professionally, there's a spot for you. It's a lot of work, but you can do it. It can be done. And you did it, and hats off to you for that. First of all, congratulations on your retirement, Lieutenant Commander Nate Minich from the Navy, and congratulations on the new hire. And I really hope you'll come back next year and talk to those folks that are thinking about making the switch, especially folks that are mid-career changers like yourself. I'd be happy to be back. I'll probably stick with the Raiders. That's uh, fun slinging trash. Oh, what a great group of volunteers. But I'll be, I'll be happy to speak with you next year while we're down. <laughs> yeah, the Raiders, uh, uh, without them, this this whole uh, park here and this whole area and the air show would, would never be as clean as it is. Uh, Nate Minich is, is really somebody who's a great advocate for aviation and ambassador for those that are, are either changing careers, but also for those that are just getting started. You can do everything right here on the campus of, of Sun and Fun. Go to FlySNF.org, and you can find out more about everything. This is a big fundraiser, by the way, and that is why we're here for this show, is to raise money for ACE. 
ACE is the Aerospace Center for Excellence, and that's what happens all year long, what he just talked about. When we talked about the going out for the scholarships, the, the high school that's out here, all the different programs that they have are funded by this one fundraiser. So if you want to come and enjoy the show, remember what you're doing is you are actually contributing to those people moving forward. Nate, again, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Carl. Appreciate it. This is Carl Valeri reporting for Sun and Fun Radio and Aviation Careers Podcast. And don't forget to take one step today to move forward in your career, in your life, and that might be coming here to Sun and Fun next year. Well, I hope you enjoyed that inspirational interview and the, all the other interviews that we've brought to you from Sun and Fun. By the way, I forgot to mention, liveatc.net slash SNF. You can listen to all the interviews all year long that we've done at Sun and Fun. Remember, well, that's our big one where we actually uh, volunteer every year. And I had so much fun. We're going to do that again last year or uh, this year. Uh, we actually had a big banner up where we had everybody walking in front of the banner and getting a picture taken uh, with Aviation Careers podcast banner in the background. It was just so wonderful to get with people and, and visit. I think we're going to actually have a booth next year because it was so nice to, to see everybody there at the Sun and Fun show. But most importantly, from, from Nate's uh, his interview, the one important thing to remember is to get out there and network and be with people. But I think really, really importantly, and something I say every time, and he, he reiterated, is that you need to do something every day to move forward in your career. When this podcast is over, when the, this video ends, don't stop there. It could be something as simple as writing down your goals or writing a note as to what to do next. But you know what? If you do that, I know that you will actually obtain your career goal. So don't forget to take one step today to move forward with your career and your life. Well, we'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying out there. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. 